I hope most of you guys are doing well, and welcome to another episode of A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I'll be digging through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and taking a light-hearted, laid-back and positive fanboy's look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different and pointless set theme every episode. Choosing from any song part or artist that gives me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to buy a record, listen to an old favourite album, support a musician and check out some of this amazing shit that has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think that I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I won't ever check this email at gofuckyourself.cockgoblin and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me at suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com or on Instagram, arockandrollrabbithole.podcast. And if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two and subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can also visit arockandrollrabbithole.com for Spotify playlist of all the songs used in each episode, links to all the past episodes and some other golden magic. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, arockandrollrabbithole.podcast. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to listen and here goes. Before I get into the episode, I just want to take the opportunity to thank a few people, Marco Cascarino again, Ryan Syfax in California for an early review that I just caught and for scaring New Zealanders with your swearing. Thanks brother and fuck those Kiwis. A couple more early reviews that have just come through, Sign Boy in the USA, thank you, and Brett Dallas in the UK, cheers brother. And a super kind review from Rhino1980, the boss, thank you. And just another shout out to Scott Hughes in Minnesota for sharing all my posts. Thanks heaps, brother. Appreciate it. And just remember, I do still have guitar pick and sticker packs. So if you rate and review the podcast, hit me up on Instagram and I'll post them out to you. I think that's about it. So let's get into it. Episode 11, Bird Songs and Bird Bands, part one. In episode 11, I've looked deep into the rabbit hole to find songs about birds or have a lyric that mentioned birds, and there are many great bands that have birds in their band name. And I'm going to break them into two parts. Part one will be bird songs. Part two will be bird bands. Part one, bird songs. I actually adore three songs that have Songbird in the title, and strangely enough, they are all called Songbird. I will start with the most well-known. This is a beautiful song that was released as the B-side of the huge hit Dreams. How's this for a run of six singles in a row from February 1976 to September 1977? Rhiannon, number 11 in the US. Say You Love Me, number 11 in the US also. Go Your Own Way, number 10 in the US. Dreams, number one in the US. Don't Stop, number 32 in the US. You Make Loving Fun, number nine in the US. That's incredible. More hits than most bands having a career in just 19 months. 
Rhiannon featured in episode two, our episode about girls' names. Say You Love Me featured in episode eight, Name Changes. And I think there is sometimes almost the light-hearted part of Fleetwood Mac or whatever word one wants to use, the sort of the poppy part of it, was always balanced out by a, a form of reveal, a, a form of some, very often some romance of, of sadness and entertaining that type of dialogue would be, for me, is, is Songbird. And there, of course, are others. But I, I remember when Chris wrote that. And I, I actually spoke very recently to her about it. Uh, we just drifted into a conversation, and she totally remembered. And I went, Chris, this is like Edith Piaf on a stage alone. And she was in the studio at the record plant, and I said, this needs to be lonely. We should record it in an empty theater, not in a shag carpet studio let's go and do that. And we did. And we went to college over in Berkeley and recorded that song. As the imaging of it was so devastating to me, I said, you are alone. You are alone playing this lovely, lovely song. And it should be all of that. And that's exactly what we did. It was, it was a most pregnant, sweet moment around a song that I can tell in our short conversation. Second up, we have a song that featured in episode three, Countings, and there's a story on there about Songbird by Oasis. Talking to the songbird yesterday Flew me to a past not far away She's a little pilot in my mind Singing songs we love to pass the time Gonna write a song so she can see Give her all the love she gives to me Talk of better days that have yet to come Never felt this love from anyone She's not anyone She's not anyone She's not anyone A man can never dream these The last of the songbirds is off a great album called Teen Sympathy by Bernard Fanning. Here's Bernie talking about why he left one of Australia's biggest bands, Powderfinger, and going solo. Our third, final and biggest announcement today is that the Sunsets Tour will be Powderfinger's last ever run of shows. We've decided after much deliberation and agonising that after this final tour we will call it a day as a recording and touring band. 
I know you've talked a lot about the, the ending of Powderfinger ad nauseam, so I, I get that. But the part I didn't realise was that, until I sort of went back and reread this, was that it happened after your wife had had open heart surgery. What is that moment like when you realise that your wife's recovering from open heart surgery and you are on the other side of the world having to play with a band? What's that mental process like? It's awful. It was a terrible time. I mean, it was something that I was obligated to, but I realised that I never wanted that to be the case again, where I, was, I wasn't really in control of being able to do that, being able to say, no, I can't do it. I was forced to leave my wife at, you know, in hospital. It's awful. Do you feel like the audience understood? I don't think the audience had any idea. Do you wish they did? No. no? I mean, no, I don't think you, it's necessary to share stuff like that. I mean, I also think that it's not that important for people to understand the internal machinations of how bands work or what, what actors are like. Songbird by Bernard Fanning. Listen to John Mayer tell a tea bagging story, and it isn't what you're thinking. One time I made a throat coat tea, you know, and I had a tea bag in a cup. A string came out of the tea bag, and I swallowed the string, but not all the way. So the string was just hanging over the back of my throat, and wouldn't go anywhere, and I had to keep singing. A lot of skill involved in continuing the show no matter what. Very seldom would you have to say, guys, you know what, I'm sorry. I mean, you just keep going. Stomach problems, you keep going, you know. There have been a couple times we've thrown a drum solo in where we didn't plan on it, but for the most part, you wouldn't, you just can't tell. John Mayer with his bird titled Vultures. is a jammy song from 1976 but written in 1973 and went to number two in the US. The guitar groove was actually lifted from another song that the artist had written which features Paul McCartney on vocals. That song was called My Dark Hour. Check it here.
Here's what it evolved into. Fly Like an Eagle by Steve Miller Band. One of my absolute favourite feel-good tunes, and it happens to mention a few birds, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley and the Whalers. couldn't find a bird song that I liked that mentioned a swallow. So just for fun, I've added this one, which could have featured on episode 7's More Cowbell episode. Motley Crew, she goes down. Next one is by my favourite singer and lyricist, Justin Curry, off his second solo album, 2010's The Great War. I found a nice acoustic version of this song, which is called At Home Inside of Me. The first word of this song is crows, so it qualifies. Crows capturing buildings and rats camped in a dream. Fireflies caught in cannons. 
for me to put it in. Here's Gary Rossington talking about Leonard Skinner's classic, Freebird. Five, six years old when we recorded it. Are you kidding Actually, me? Actually, we had that song. Alan Collins wrote the music to it. He wrote the beginning. I wrote the end. But he wrote that beginning like five years before Ronnie could write lyrics to it. Ronnie always said, hey, there's too many chords. I can't write words to that many chords. And then one day, Ronnie went, hey, play them chords again. And he started going, da 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 you know, and he went, I can write. So he wrote the lyrics to Freebird, and we wrote the end, and we kind of let it go. We just were playing, man. We were into it, and and it was never a pattern. It was like a one night we'd do it five minutes, the next night we'd do it six, the next night we'd do it three, the next night we'd do it ten. And there's been nights we've probably done it 20 minutes, but it's a unique song, and and I'm real thankful for it. If I leave here tomorrow, would you still Stay 
next song is a song that this artist played all of the instruments on except for the bass. He did play a bass track on the recording, but he chose to leave it out when mixing. So there's no chance of a bass solo, I guess. Golden. It was the number one song in the US for the year 1984 and stopped Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark from reaching number one. Bruce Springsteen never actually had a number one single in the US. The intro guitar riff shows what a badass Prince was on the guitar. Check it out here. Prince when doves cry. thousand Canadians singing When Doves Cry. I thought it'd be 2,000 times worse than the original, but it's only about 10 times as bad. Nice. Next up is another absolute favourite of mine and a huge moment for me to learn on guitar as a teenager. It was great to see the great man stuff it up like I used to, twice, at the album launch for his record Egypt Station recently, just to show the rest of us he is human. I love it when I get it wrong and we're going out live. Streaming. I can do this, I can, I can do this. Oh. Yeah. yeah. This, this means we're live, right? It's not, it's not a tape. Okay. I'm gonna pick it up from the middle. No doubt we might be able to edit. No, it's live! Okay, I don't care. There we go. 
blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings It's not broken wings Okay I mean, like a couple of mistakes is okay But like totally screwing it up like this Is, uh I know this song, I wrote it I wrote this thing Okay Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the line of a dark black night We'll stick with the Beatles for a bit, just for something different. The next one is a joyous, super happy rift, bird-titled pop moment from John Lennon, which he claimed was one of the worst songs he had written for the Beatles. Have a listen to how great their three voices sound in the harmonies. I'll use some magic to enhance them. And your bird can sing the Beatles. talking about how Paul was responsible for how much music the Beatles produced, 12 albums in only eight years. And he talks about the Beatles versus the Stones rivalry in the 60s. You know, we have to thank Paul for the amount of music we put out because he's the workaholic. John and I would be sitting in the garden and the phone would ring and we'd say, we know it's him. We just knew by the ring <laughs> he wants to go to work. Yeah. Hey, should we go in the studio, lads? Right. And that's what we'd do. So he was the motivating force. He was. Right. Yeah. This song, I Want to Be Your Man, which you, of course, oh, yeah. sing on. Beautiful. The Beatles originally gave this song to the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, yeah. I don't understand that. I thought they were your rivals. Why would they give that song? I think that was just press. I never felt we were big rivals. You know, we were the Beatles. They were the Rolling Stones. Do you feel that they <laughs> always reacted to what you guys were doing? No, I think Andrew Lou Oldham set this, like, battle scene with the press, not us. When I, Keith I came to my birthday here at Radio City a few years ago. You know, if we meet up, we had dinner in L.A., Ronnie was there. Everybody was friends. Everybody was friends. It wasn't a rival. And they gave them that song, and then, you know, oh, we need a song for him, go, I'll let him do that. The next Bird song is the title track from these California Trumpet Gods' fourth album, Comfort Eagle by Cake. We are building a religion. We are building it bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We 
intercepting collars for these pendant keychains. To resist it is useless. It is useless to resist it. His cigarette is burning, but he never seems to ash. He is grooming his poodle. He is living comfort eagle. You can meet at his location, but you'd better come with cash. Now his hat is on backwards. He can show you his tattoos. He is in the music business. He is calling you dude. Now today is tomorrow, and tomorrow today, and yesterday is weaving in and out, out. And the fluffy white lines that the airplane leaves behind are drifting right in front of the waning of the moon. He is handling the money. He's serving the food. He knows about your party. He is calling you dude. This next song actually mentions a famous jazz club in New York City that opened in 1949 called Birdland. The lyric says Birdland on 53, but the club is actually on Broadway near 52nd Street, not on 53rd. Angel of Harlem, you too. a cracker off an album called Aha Shake Heartbreak by the Kings of Leon. I really love this song and it mentions a pigeon so it's in. I have no idea what the lyrics are about but the energy and vibe are killer. Kings of Leon, King of the Rodeo. Here's my buddy Dean Del Rey chatting to Jerry Cantrell on his great podcast, Let There Be Talk, about the Alice in Chains song, Rooster. First of all, I, I think the two pivotal tunes for me that really blew my mind was Wood and the other one was Rooster. The Rooster, I remember being at uh, Lollapalooza, Shoreline. The sun was just fucking dropping down. Yeah. You guys dropped the video and came out and opened with that. And the video was going and the sun was coming yeah. down. Yeah. And, and I never forgot how powerful that was to me. Yeah. The, the lyrics are unbelievable and, and the tune is unbelievable. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of our cornerstone tunes and I'm really proud of that for a lot of reasons. You know, mo mostly personally for me, it was, uh, you know, my father uh, did multiple tours in Vietnam and, and also 
brought a lot of that his experience home with him like a lot of soldiers did and and you know i, I think that that greatly affected our family i think it splintered it apart and and uh you know my my parents split when i was still in single digits you know what i mean so um so i didn't really know him that much you know what i mean i pretty much was raised by my grandmother and my mother and uh, we moved in with with her mom and and uh, you know i would see him and stuff but but you know i had a lot of i had a lot of he wasn't there and what when he was there before you know he had a lot of he had issues that he was working through you know from from his experience and all of that and and that affected us so you know like in like most kids you got a problem with your fucking parent you know yeah I mean? and so i did too you know i kind of i kind of resented him you know for not being there and not dealing with the shit and and that song for me was probably my first I, it was it was it was me becoming a man and and not putting it on him and 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 imagining myself in his shoes and if I could have done any better and I realized that I I don't I couldn't say that I could yeah I could have even fucking done worse you know what I mean so I stopped blaming him and writing that writing that song I stopped blaming him and it was a bridge to me actually taking an active part in trying to understand him and reach out to him you know and that was the beginning of us getting back together and we've been the best of friends since you know and and uh uh especially with my mother passing he's my only parent left so but i was always really curious about his experience and it was something he never talked about and most vets won't unless you're a vet you know what i mean yeah they, they, they don't talk about it much and, and they don't and, isn't it it's it's heavy right it's heavy and it's really something that you you probably couldn't understand them talking to you about and they don't want to bring that shit up you know it's something they, that they put away so I wrote that song and and I showed it to him. That was one of my prouder moments of of having him listen to it and read the lyrics and and uh, you know I, I uh, we made a great video with Mark Pellington who who was actually uh, he was actually working on a film with his dad called Father's Days. He was like an old uh, Indianapolis Colt who had, was losing his mind from Alzheimer's. Wow. So he was doing this thing on his dad, and, and we were working on this video with me and my dad, and the guys, of course, you know, did the best on it. Lane sang the shit out of that song, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, me I remember asking him, uh, you know, if I had gotten close to the vibe, you know, of being there or mindset of, and he's like, you got too close. You know? Wow. I'm like, okay, I nailed it, you know, so... Uh, and actually on, on the video, uh, they didn't play it on MTV much, but there's a little pre-trailer of a little of an interview that Mark Pellington did with my dad. I actually went oh, out, I remember that I actually went out of the room and he was interviewing my dad about it. And it's one of the one of the only times he's talked at length about it. And it brought him to tears. And that was, you know, uh, he said, I think what he, what he said is it's a it's a weird experience. It's a sad experience. And I just hope nobody ever else, nobody else ever has to go through it. And he starts to kind of tear up. And then the song starts. Alice in Chains, Rooster. I've been 
hosted a tea party song called In Anna in episode two about girls' songs. And here's their song Raven Skies off their debut album Splendor Solace. Moroccan Roll. bird in this next song is obviously a car, a T-bird. This song was written mainly by Brian Wilson and his father, who was their manager, had very conservative values and felt this song was immoral. This song made it to number five in the US and it peaked on March 21 in 1964. The top four that week were She Loves You, number one, I Want to Hold Your Hand, number two, Please Please Me, number three, and Dawn Go Away by The Four Seasons at number four. Fun, 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 the Beach Boys. super interesting to me to have a listen to this interview with Brian Wilson in 1964, just to listen to how interviewing styles were way different back then in comparison to now. It's a wonderful treat for me tonight to have heard and seen the Beach Boys, and as you can hear in the background, the girls are still hollering for them. I'm quite pleased to present to you two of them, Brian Wilson on my right and Carl Wilson, his brother, on the left. So this is just two of them, and in just a minute you'll meet the rest of them. But Brian, I understand that you've written uh, many of the songs that you all recorded and made popular, and also for others. Oh, I have. Uh, Janet Dean, I've written several of their newest hits, their latest hits. You know, since Surf City on up, I've written a lot of those. Well, in uh, writing songs uh, for other people, are you still doing this? Well, not as heavily. I don't really have a chance. We're on the road quite a bit now. Mm -hmm. And I, when I have a chance, usually I'm so busy doing Beach Boy work, you know, I of limiting myself to Beach Boys. Right. Do you uh, feel that most people know that you have uh, brothers and cousins in your uh, troop? Well, I, I hope so by now. <laughs> it's been, you know, three brothers, cousin and a neighbor. That's been our right. thing. You know. When you write a song uh, for, for yourself or for your group, what gives you the um, incentive to write them? Well, usually uh, just the fact that we're in the industry and there's a lot of groups competing with us and uh, I feel that competition, you know, and also I just... I love music, and I get very inspired, just generally creative anyway, right. you know, and I, I understand. do it all the time. Right all well, the time. now, the, uh, how many of them have you had that have been million sellers? 
well, actually, million sellers. We've had one million seller that was I Get Around just recently. You wrote that? Yes, I did. Good. How, name some of them that you've written, Brian. Okay. <laughs> well, starting with uh, Surfing, our first record, and then Surfing Safari, 409, Surfer Girl, Little Deuce Coop, Shut Down, Surfing USA, Etrudio School in My Room. Pasadena. That's Janet Dean. <laughs> right. And uh, Fun, Fun, Fun. Oh, uh, and I Get Around, on. Don't Worry Baby. We had Little Saint Nick at Christmas time one year uh -huh. last year, and then uh, what? When I grow up, when I grow up to be a man, and she knows me too well, our latest hit records. can't do this episode without adding this Aussie classic. This song spent 10 weeks in the number one spot in Australia in 1971, and here's the singer-songwriter talking about the song. I started writing Eagle Rock in London, mm. yeah. I was, I was uh, playing with a band over there uh, briefly and started writing the song. I came up with the riff, yeah. but I did, and then I had to come back to Australia and we did the hitchhiking across Europe and through Asia and then finally got back to Australia. I went back to my old room where I'd grown up with the parents and found the guitar again yeah. and that's when I slammed the chorus onto it so it was like written on two continents you know so like Daddy Cool Eagle Rock This next one is a super stretch, but it's my rabbit hole, so here it is. Midnight Oil released a mini album in 1980 called Bird Noises, with the great Peter Gifford on bass. He left the Oils in 1987 after recording their monster album, Diesel and Dust, before being replaced by Kiwi, Bones Hillman. Bones was mentioned in episode eight, Game Changing Name Changes. Today is November 8, 2020, and Bones, born as Wayne Stevens, passed away yesterday. So I'm going to do a quick rabbit hole dig on the great man. Before the Oils, he was the bass player in a band called The Swingers, who had this number one hit in Australia in 1981. A few musician mates and myself travelled to Alice Springs to see the Oils kick off their world comeback tour in 2017 and we actually met the band, including Bones, as we were staying in the same hotel. Here's Bones singing the great high vocal in one country. R.I.P. Bones Hillman. 
Okay, we've now reached part two, bird bands. So many great artists or bands actually have bird names in their band name. Here's one of the few newer 100% full rock stars left on the planet, quickly explaining why he covered a song by the earlier mentioned Steve Miller Band. Bands, Abracadabra, turned out to be one of the most rewarding um, experiences I've had. Uh, I got to sing it with the amazing Shawnee Smith. You know, she's from all the uh, Saw movies and she was in the TV show Becker. And I overheard her singing in the bathroom along with the tune while I was playing it and, and must have looked like the most awful creep waiting outside of the bathroom. Hey, but uh, I, you know, it's a studio, it's not like that. But uh, she got out of the bathroom and I'm like, I heard you singing, will you sing this with me? And that. Uh, shared uh, appreciation of a song with uh, and and sharing that with another artist at, at that time I'd never had that you know really you know because I've, I've been so sheltered in my my road in rock and roll but performing it with Shawnee Smith was a high, definitely a, a high point and it's also a song that is so owned and possessed by Steve Miller it's impossible or difficult to think that why would it you know you're gonna cover that's a weird one to cover it's also about magic and I'm of a of a great belief in our business, in our world, that there's magicians and there's wizards. And there's a whole lot of magicians and they're doing incredible tricks and they look pretty good, but a wizard does real magic. And I feel like Steve Miller, Steve Miller's a real wizard because he's literally saying abracadabra, even though the real magic word is sabra, cadabra, just FYI. That was Jesse Hughes, who also uses the name Boots Electric and the devil given to him by his Eagles of Death Metal bandmate, Josh Homme, who is mainly the drummer, but contributes to guitar and other instruments too. Josh rarely plays live with the Eagles of Death Metal due to his Queens of the Stone Age commitments, etc., but has written and played on all four albums. Here's a little bit of the Eagles of Death Metal's version of Steve Miller's Abracadabra. some of the Steve Miller Band's version from 1982, which when I've heard in the last 10 years always reminds me of sending an email off. death metal with their groovy speaking in tongues.
from the Eagles of Death Metal to the regular Eagles. This is only the second Eagles song in the podcast history, which isn't proportional to how great they are. I've chosen the next one as it is sung by the bass player Randy Miser. Glenn Fry and Randy actually got into a fight as the song was written by Randy, Glenn and Don Henley as an encore song, but Randy often would poo-poo the song at gigs as he wasn't confident with the end vocal. I've included this track as in my ears, it is not only one of the best Eagles vocals performance, but one of the best in recorded history. I absolutely love it. Here's a quick medley of Randy smashing the high notes live. Sing that shit, Randy, like you're auditioning for the darkness. So very welcome, man. Have a listen to Randy talking about that fight and his departure from the Eagles. I mean, Glenn and I got into a little, you know, fight there. But, it, you know, it's something that it just happened. It just, uh, something happened and we kind of got mad at each other and we took a swing at each other <laughs> in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just I thought at the time, I thought it was just like, you know, guys fighting. But then it got really bad and I just decided at that point, that's when I decided, I thought, you know, I better leave because I, you know, it was getting too, I, I just didn't like what I was doing anymore. Yeah. Any regrets leaving the band? Uh, not really. I wish I could have left in a different way though. Just reversing up to what I said before about the vocal performance, I wasn't talking about the end falsetto vocals, just his overall vocals in the whole song are just so good, so smooth. The Eagles take it to the limit.
This next song is a tiny bit self-indulgent. A song I played bass and sang backing vocals on and arranged and conducted the strings at the end. Lady and gentlemen, please give it up for me. Falling Fire, Steel Birds. That ends part one of my rabbit hole dig on bird songs and bird bands. In episode 12 next week, I'll continue with some great songs and stories. Thanks again for listening and thanks to Rob Dean at Bonsai Studios for the podcast music and Patty Cummings at Fingerprint Audio for Web and Tech House. And thanks again to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. And as mentioned at the start, if you do want to tell me what I did wrong, could do better or got wrong in this free podcast that took me a few full days to put together months ago, you can send me an email at, I don't ever check this email, at go fuck yourself at cockgoblin at geocities.com forward slash poop. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I still have a bunch of guitar pick and sticker packs. And if you rate and review the podcast, hit me up on Instagram and I'll post them out to you no matter where you are. It takes about five seconds and it really does help me. So cheers for that. And another huge thanks to anyone who's already done that. To end the podcast, I'm going to add when I can an example of the topic that I enjoy from a lesser known band. And episode 11's Bird Band is a now defunct Melbourne band called New Birds, which have one of my favourite singers fronting them, Unt Thok. Tim Hocking and Melbourne's Keith Moon, Scotty on the drums. 
They have a bird titled song called Songbird Way, which would have given me double points. And it has a nice count in that sounds like fuck, two, one, two, three, four. Fuck, two, They also have a great tune that is a tipping of the hat to the earlier mentioned Beatles song And Your Bird Can Sing called Brightside. I'm going to end this episode with their superb rocker, Keep Me Moving. Head over to my website, arockandrollrabbithole.com, and check out the Victims tab for a playlist of a handful of New Bird's great tunes. Thanks again, guys. See ya. Keep me